0: episode 23 nomad trading hey chainers and welcome to another edition of chain of wealth i'm your host dennis o'brien
1: and i'm katie welsh
0: and we're the hosts here at chain of wealth today we're going to talk a little bit about
1: how cool i think it is that people who are so young are really really hardworking and try to make awesome businesses Today, we have Max, who is only 25 years old, and he and his friend have started their own company, Dan.
0: It's actually amazing. Like, there seems to be a massive mentality in that I can't do it these days, or I want instant gratification, you know? And I think a lot of people are scared to take that entrepreneurial leap and to try something else out and to take a bit of a risk.
1: I think it's really cool. I don't know about you, but I remember when I was 25, I was not looking to try to make my own business. I was working my nine to five teaching and totally happy with it. So when I hear of other people who are really young starting a business, I think that is really admirable.
0: What's actually amazing is how often they succeed as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And they're so young
0: yeah no it definitely is something to that everyone should like you know in this day and age everyone should have like a side hustle really you know like something to get additional income on something that you're working on the side something that you're interested in something that you're passionate about it can really make a huge amount of difference in your life and there's actually tax advantages as well you can get all sorts of deductions and stuff like that so it really is beneficial to you
1: well and when i go places and like we went to a car dealership not too long ago, right. and that guy was middle-aged, and he kind of just looked like he,
0: yeah, he, he, looked he miserable. was
1: stuck in a rut. and <laughs> yeah. When people are young, and they're creating their own business, and they're doing things that they love, you can really tell the difference.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. All right, awesome. Let's dive right into our interview.
1: Okay. Welcome to
2: Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom.
0: and welcome to another edition of Chain of Earth. Today, we have Max Kielstein with us. Nomad Trading Company was founded in the summer of 2016 by Max and his college friend, John Epstein, to change how people treat drinks and snacks. We believe that you are what you eat. We wanted to consume things that were healthy, but that are also sourced on the highest ethical standards and with a pointed focus on
2: sustainability. Welcome, Welcome. Max. Thank you,
0: thank you.
1: Max, can you
2: tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I am Max, uh, I am 25 years old. I live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I grew up in right outside of, uh, Washington DC in, in Bethesda, Maryland, and then went to college in Waltham, Massachusetts at uh Brandeis university with, uh, my co-founder John Epstein. Um, other than doing what I do, I, I enjoy spending as much time as possible outside. I uh, I hike, I cycle, I ski. Yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell.
1: Okay, so you could basically have created any kind of industry that you wanted. Why did you pick tea?
2: Great question. Um, so I didn't actually specifically want tea. Tea just kind of found me. The broader focus was actually on repurposing underutilized agricultural products or agricultural waste products really. So I, I'd come across some massive waste streams, specifically in coffee production, that that had really kind of astounded me. And I knew I wanted to do something with that. I knew that uh, you know, so coffee is for just to contextualize, coffee is the second most traded commodity worldwide behind crude oil. Roughly 12 billion pounds of green coffee are grown and sold each year. And with that, you have about 24 billion pounds of fruit that are grown and discarded each year. And I knew that there had to be some better use for that fruit than basically as a pollutant to be dumped in streams. And I, in obsessing over that problem, um, that supply side problem, I came across the fact that it had been made into the coffee fruit specifically had been tried and made into a tea in Bolivia, Ethiopia, and Kenya, and Yemen for hundreds of years. And that's that's how I wound up in tea.
0: Awesome. So what would you say was the hardest part about getting started? Yeah, lo-
2: Looking back on the earliest days, I'm not sure any one thing really stands out. I guess quit, quitting my job was pretty difficult. I, yeah, you know, I, I have some friends who start companies, and they, you know, really didn't enjoy. What, in fact, John, my co-founder, uh, really did not enjoy his job. But I loved the job that I was doing prior to this, and I worked for people who I really respected, admired, and who taught me a lot. And so, sitting in a room with with those guys and telling them that I was, that I was leaving. Uh, was was pretty tough I think for all of us, otherwise, there are other little things just I guess understanding the regulatory framework for beverages uh was was something that I remember in the early days was took took us a long time just to get a handle on. There's not a great source for all of that um but yeah,
1: I can imagine that first leap of quitting your job to do this was probably quite terrifying. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah when, once you accept the change in income uh it's it's not that bad, but there there definitely is an adjustment phase
1: I can imagine so with quitting your job to do this, what was your biggest concern
2: i guess the the biggest thing is you know we we make drinks we make beverages that are unlike really anything on the market, so I'd say the biggest concern was just can we get people to drink these beverages you know can can we get people to drink a tea made from the coffee fruit uh we also make a drink out of a part of the cacao plants where chocolate comes from and it's just you know people are creatures of habit how can we shift their habits and get them to drink these things you know it will will the sustainability piece be something that they care about or does it have to you know what what will motivate people to make that action.
0: Fascinating. Awesome. So if anyone wants the child see how can we get our hands on us?
2: Yeah. So currently we only distribute in uh, New York city. So we're in specialty food shops around New York city. Um, We are fingers crossed, hopefully launching at Whole Foods in New York city in February. Other than that, we are eyeing distribution up and down the East coast for spring and summer of 2018 so hopefully we'll be coming to a, a beverage cooler near you and awesome. uh if if you're anywhere else you can also always shoot us an email hello at nomad trading co and we'll always figure something out
1: well that's definitely something to look forward to in the upcoming year
2: yeah absolutely we're uh we're excited about the distribution expansion on the horizon
1: when I talk to people who have started businesses, I always am thinking, how did you get the funding to start this? Did you go around and ask people for money? Did you save up for a long time? What was your plan for that?
2: Yeah, so we um, we have been thoroughly bootstrapped uh, up until right around now. So my partner, John, and I, we each committed equal amounts of capital, just from savings. We, we both sort of planned accordingly and had saved for a little bit before we took that leap. So we would, we would be able to get off the ground. And then now that we're sort of at a phase where we're off the ground, but we want to really push growth, we have just done a little friends and family sort of funding round. So it's just, you know, exactly what it sounds like it's friends and family investing in us and helping us grow to that next level.
0: Fantastic. So tell us a mess up story.
2: Yeah. So definitely have no shortage of them. Uh, (laughs) That's that's the the best way to learn, I guess, as long as you actually learn and don't repeat them. I guess when we, when we did our first run of product, you know, we we don't own a production facility. We work with what are called uh, contract packagers or co-packers so they you know we they they have a bottling line they have all the facilities and we pay them a labor fee per unit to to package the actual drinks uh and they follow our recipe and all that and so the first run that we did we we shopped around to try to find the best value we found a guy who is definitely cheaper than everyone else and he didn't really have, you know, a lot of people have these third-party certifications and whatnot. He didn't really have any of those, but all his legal stuff was was in line. You know, he he seemed to have a pretty uh, legitimate operation. And we start running there. And I think within a couple hours, we realized um, that uh, it was definitely, definitely was a mistake. His His labeler was... Barely functioning, and was spitting out labels all over the ground. His his bottle capper was shooting caps off left and right, and his his pasteurizer. Yeah, it was like we we were standing in there, sort of watching all this go wrong, trying to figure out, you know, what what can we do from here? What uh, <laughs> what's the best <laughs> best move? And yeah, and then at the, the moment, I got out of there. I was, I was talking to a friend, and he he said you know if, if someone's willing to do something for that much cheaper than anyone else there's definitely a reason a piece of a piece of advice i've taken a heart ever since and will not soon forget
0: i suppose it comes back to the age-old analogy
2: you get what you pay for yeah, yeah.
1: so <laughs> really what did you do, do after so we, we
2: actually wound up washing our hands Of so, you know we paid him for the work he did but we told him we would Never work with them again, and explained pretty clearly why in a constructive manner. And we we then tried to salvage what we could from the product. So it was you know we were going through one by one, looking does does this one have labels properly applied? Can we can we actually sell this? So we had to sift through uh, a couple hundred cases, bottle by bottle, just to find uh, what was usable. And then we had to. have the other stuff we had to empty and recycle and we uh we sold what we could uh but it was definitely a bit of a loss right right at the beginning but luckily nothing that would would cause us to be out of the game
0: cool definitely a a great lesson there
2: (laughs) yeah awesome and i'll say the one thing we've learned is definitely always look for some of those third-party certifications those uh Does go a long way. They
0: mean a lot. So just really do your homework. Yeah. Yeah. Cheaper
1: does not always. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Awesome. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive right back into the value deck round. Chainers, are you looking to get out of debt and free up your financial life? We've got an awesome guide for you. Head over to chainofwealth.com slash debts. The guide goes through all the steps you need to follow to pay back debt in the fastest time possible. That's chainofwealth.com forward slash debts. So Max, do you have any books or podcasts you can recommend to our
2: listeners? Yeah, I guess business or just in, in general. Anything
1: that you think other people would like?
2: Yeah, so I guess I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to, I guess, some of the like standard business related ones like how I built this and Tim Ferriss and all that. But a lot of my favorite podcasts are actually just storytelling podcasts. I think it's one of the best mediums to really hear some of the stories that people go through. People have very diverse, broad experiences. so I I love just hearing about the richness of what, what life is. Um, So I love snap judgment. Uh, There's one called nocturne and one that's sort of about, outdoors, personal experiences called Dirtbag Diaries. And then for books, love, there's a book by Michael Eisner, the ex CEO of Disney uh, called Camp. That's about his experiences at summer camp. Personally, I, I spent 12 summers of my life attending and working at summer camps and found it very personally meaningful. I think he really succinctly sums up the lessons that he learned uh, that really resonate with me in that book. And then I also love uh, Ray Dalio's Principles. I, I've never actually read the book that he recently released under the same name, but the original PDF that he wrote uh, for, I guess, internal use at Bridgewater. I've, I have reread maybe every six months and uh, really, really love it.
0: Fantastic. I actually did some work over at Bridgewater as a contractor, so <laughs> I'm more well familiar with his story.
2: tell me
1: about the book every day.
2: <laughs> what, what, what were your experiences? Did you, did you find radical uh, honesty everywhere you looked? Yes, I, I, I really did.
0: There was radical honesty and radical transparency. Um, It, it was actually a very interesting environment. And, you know, like, I, I think basically Ray sums it up in the book, but you get the honest opinion of people and, you know, whether it's good, whether it's bad, you get it as it is, you know, and for better or worse, um, you can really learn a huge amount under that kind of environment. So it, it was definitely interesting.
1: <laughs> I think it sounds miserable. Like I would go home crying every day.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, isn't there some beauty in knowing exactly what someone, uh, someone's thinking? Yeah, I'm on your side. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I feel like maybe. I'm not sure. But Dan talked about it all the time. You even had like a favorite quote or something in there. I remember you talking about it.
0: Yeah, one of the principles is to think like an owner. (laughs) Principle 74, if I remember correctly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Got to get the numbers down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Max, do you have a favorite quote that you try to live by?
2: Uh, There's nothing... Two specific, I guess there's one actually in that Michael Eisner book, Camp, uh, that I'm definitely going to butcher. But he, he's talking, he's specifically, this is contextualized. He's like a 14 year old on a canoe trip. And he's talking about conquering his fears and how he then took this same lesson and applied it to the rest of his pretty significant life. And there's something along the lines of, you know, I, I took one step at a time and before I knew it, I forgot what I was afraid of to begin with, was having a great time. And I'd say that's that, that just sums it up so clearly. It's just one step at a time. And before you know it, you'll be having fun.
1: What a good way to look at it. And how can people get in touch with you?
2: You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those things. I'm Max Kielsen, it's K-E-I-L-S-O-N. I'm the only Max Kielsen alive, so it's pretty easy
0: awesome max we've loved hanging out do you have any other parting piece of advice for our listeners and then we'll say goodbye
2: yeah i guess the the one thing that i always do that really helps me is just set set little goals that uh set pretty specific measurable goals set a a timeline and hold yourself accountable um and don't forget to have a good time while doing it
0: awesome chinas we've been hanging out with matt gilson Check out his social media. He's the only Mac Gilson out there, so you'll definitely find him. And if you're struggling to get hold of him, go to our show notes page. We link everything, and you'll be able to find all his information and everything spoken about in the podcast there. Chainers, we've loved hanging out. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Catch you on the flip side.